This is essential. 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 This is essential audio. Welcome to the Money Pot. I'm Rachel Morrissey, and I am here with Gina Clark, who is the director of content for the EU show. So, hey, Gina. So, let's talk about what you've been doing planning for Amsterdam. Hey, Rachel. Uh, yeah, it's good to join you. Um, I wanted to pop on and give you a bit of a taste of what we've been doing for the upcoming show in Europe. Um, we've actually got an interview with Martin Stolk, the CEO of Startup Deploy. Oh, great. So let's talk about what Mr. Stolk is doing at your conference. <laughs> He's actually talking about the rise of AI in finance and what upcoming regulatory safeguards. Ooh. Yeah, exciting. Uh, what they might do to the innovation <laughs> in the industry. All of that is so fascinating to me. So that's great. Uh, why don't we go ahead and we'll go to your interview with Mr. Stuck. Martin, hello. Hello. Thanks a lot for having me. You're welcome. Martin, let's just talk about you for a second. You're an expert in machine learning and artificial intelligence, which is everywhere right now. So, you know, you're really into the space at the moment. Very, very hot. And I guess, you know, if you've been to Money 2020 as a speaker, you will know we have one rule, which is no introductions on stage. And the reason is when you get up there, time seems very short. You want to discuss a lot of things. You know, you've got so much energy to bring to the chat, especially if there's more than one person on the stage. But here in the studio, we are breaking all the rules. So, Martin, you have the floor. Please tell us about yourself. So I'm indeed one of the founders and CEO of Deploy. Founded another company before, also in the space of AI. We really focus on making sure that AI is actually used as operationalized in production, also for more regulated, high-risk AI cases like transaction monitoring, for example, where I believe we can really utilize the power of AI. We can do that so much more efficient, first of all, but also so much more, so much better in the end. So this is what we focus on with Deploy, providing a platform for well, data teams to safely deploy the AI models and us taking care of the, all the heavy lifting around it, like explainability and traceability and all the other things, which are super important. The ones which are often well, not on top of the list of data teams. So what sectors would you say you're working with at the moment? It's mostly, well, fintech, banking, financial services in general. And then healthcare is the other really interesting one. We could solve so many things in healthcare. We could make our healthcare system so much more efficient by using AI. And we should, I think. But everyone understands it needs to be in an explainable and transparent way. You can't just deploy black box models somewhere and tell you that you should have surgery at some point. Do you know, we're touching on healthcare very briefly at Money 2020 this year. But I do feel that if we were to go down that route, we would have a whole new Money 2020. I understand, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a big area. So before we move on, I've got a bit of a question for you. I don't want you to answer it now. I want you to think about it. But I've got a bag of money over here. I don't get it out very often, but I'm going to kind of slide it across the table to you. I want you to think about putting half of it on a company right now that you think in a year's time is going to do very well. You're going to get a good return on that, on that pile of cash. But the other half, maybe it's a bit longer. Maybe it's going to be 10 years. So have a think. Don't give us the answer now, but I will come back and revisit it. So Martin, in Amsterdam, you're going to help us get into our heads. What is fintech's answer to ChatGBT and BARD? What do you think it is? Where do you think we're going with that? Mm, good question. I'm not sure if the financial world should give an answer to it or make sure that we use AI wherever we can in general. I think the big problems to solve in, well, banking, for example, in financial services. Um, with most um, uh, financial service providers, with most banks, it takes ages to get a bank account, to, to name one thing. 
uh, due to KYC. And I think we can use technology and AI so much more in those processes, which cost a lot of money at the moment, is not efficient at all. It's actually not effective either. So we can really use AI. And I think the answer in general is start using it, start really building something. It's probably not perfect right away, but it shouldn't be. I mean, you have time then to learn, you get feedback and improve whatever you're building. I think that should be the answer in general to BART or ChatGPT. I keep hearing feedback. It seems like it's probably the most integral part of the whole process. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. I, I mean, the reason why we focus so much on transparency and explainability is that by explaining how a model comes to its decision, you actually can get feedback back from people who didn't build a model but are experts in the field. And that's super important. That's the reason why also ChatGPT is actually quite accurate. In, in most cases, it's the feedback loop. The first models are often pretty stupid, actually, and get better by getting feedback. So ChatGPT is a large language model. We've seen other iterations. Why do you think this one is taking off so well? I actually think there are many, many more large language models which are and transformers in general, which is the underlying well building blocks of those large language models. And I think ChatGPT is quite accessible to people. That's the reason it's it's really taking off, and it's in the same. Well, in the same half year as indeed Bart, as um, things like Dali or Dali 2. So there's a lot of generative AI, which is breaking through now. And I think we have been looking maybe as a AI uh, research field too long in maybe wrong directions as well, which is part, of course, of innovation and science in general. And suddenly we understand now how that works on the background, which kind of transformers are useful. But we, we start to understand how this works. And yeah, then suddenly things can go quite quickly. And you're based in Holland, which has a really good insight into regulation right now due to some of the recent cases. Where do you think that regulation sits in the next chapter of AI? Yeah, I have to be honest, I'm not in touch with the regulators uh, every day or every week. But I think um, one of the main things which I sometimes don't understand is that we don't focus too much on the use cases. We try to make general regulation like the EU AI Act in Europe is a big thing, of course. And we really try to set a standardized way of rules for AI, even though AI being used in healthcare is different than in a chatbot. So I think we, we and regulators and everyone should think about the use cases rather than the AI model. The AI model can be used in different settings, and it really depends on the use case, what is needed in terms of transparency or control or whatever. And at Money 2020 this year, if you come to Amsterdam, you'll see a, a large emphasis placed on what's happening now and then what's happening next. So... Where do you think we're going to be in two, five years' time with this? So I, I, I've been talking about this decade, I think. I think in, in like seven years, we will experience a completely different world. But it goes gradually, just like the internet is there now for about 30 years. And we all adapt to it. Everyone is using their mobile phone and everything. But if you would come from the 90s, now suddenly in this world, it would be a really, really strange world where everyone's looking on the mobile phone. I think the same is going to happen for AI. So AI is really going to have a huge role, like a supportive role to everyone. Everyone is using already AI in their daily lives, but is using it so much more and in more regulated high-risk cases as well as a supportive tool. But we will adapt to that as well, I think. But I think it's super important that you start investing in it. If you're going to wait for it. It's going to be the same as missing the digital era like 20 years ago, I think. Get on the AI train. That's the message. Yeah, but really also here, feedback loops. Really try to understand what works for you and what doesn't. The first use case is going to be pretty, pretty crappy probably. You miss a lot of things, but it's super important to get it out there because then you start learning what you're missing. 
Is it possible to embed feedback into the UX, do you think? It is. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, yeah, maybe talking about one of the use cases, if you talk about transaction monitoring, it's the model is off like 50% of the time or so. So a lot of transactions are flagged for wrong reasons. And you can just incorporate feedback saying, hey, uh, I don't think this should be a flag. I overruled the decision because of reason X, Y, Z. And then you can use that feedback to improve models. And if we're, I mean, I don't want to get too into the detail, but this is a great topic. Mm -hmm. How long does it take for that to kind of be implemented and for the machine to learn it? Not that hard, actually, to be honest. It really needs to fit well, I think, in the flow for users. So don't make something completely different. Just make sure it's incorporated in the tools they're already using. But yeah, I think you can do this in like one or two months, uh, realistically, within like a back office system of any financial institution, if you really want to. It sounds to me like some very clever marketing person is going to come up with, you know, personalized banking very soon, just using those kind of AI feedback models. Yeah, it's already being used, I think, at some places. I mean, that's that's the thing in general, maybe. AI is already here. It's not something of the future. We already use it day by day. So um, I think it's good to realize, I think, that it's already there. Definitely. Okay, diving into you now. What's the worst job you've ever had? I once did a bit of cleaning in a company in my hometown in the Netherlands, and I got fired after three days because I wasn't good at it, I think. <laughs> So it's bad because it's cleaning, but it was worse because you got fired after three days. <laughs> yeah, but maybe for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> What's your best money hack or piece of advice? I tried to actually beat the market, beat my own chat, well, my own trading bots, but that didn't really work. So I think my best advice is try not to beat it, but try to follow it instead. This gives you a lot of less headaches, I believe. I like it. Good financial advice there. What is the one spending habit you'd change if you could go back in time? That's a difficult one, actually. Not one for lottery tickets or, you know, nice trainers that you've seen in the shops. And I'm not actually spending too much money on all those kind of things. Um, maybe that's part of being like running a startup and being cost efficient in general. Maybe that's a habit I would change at some point, invest a bit more in my personal life at some point into like sports, for example. Don't try to do the startup life everywhere, I guess. Don't think like a founder every part of the day. Exactly. <laughs> What's the most interesting fact you've ever heard? Ever. I'm actually addicted to Wikipedia whenever I can't sleep. Um, so that's a hot one, I think. But something which which was quite striking when I heard it is that out of all the mass of mammals in the world, about 50% or so is just human beings. And then another 40% or so is cattle, is like cows and pigs and chickens just for us for consumption. I think that's quite striking. That means that we don't deal well with the world at the moment. So I find that statistic, that fact, quite sad actually to know. Maybe that's something we should change over the upcoming years. Sounds like it would be one big infographic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who do you look up to in your industry? Who's your advocate or hero? I think what the guys of Hugging Face achieved over the past few years. Also, you need to be really confident in what you're doing. In the beginning, we're not making any money. And I know how the pressure feels of, for example, investors at some point trying to find a business model. But they really transformed the way we look at AI. And I have deep respect for those guys. Brilliant. And following on from that, whose LinkedIn profile should we go and check out straight after this interview? The LinkedIn profiles are most like are the ones which are actually quite empty of people who really, really achieved something. So I know some people in the Netherlands who 
founded a few really big banks. Uh, but if you look on their LinkedIn profile, it's actually really empty. And I actually like that, to be honest. That is one of the hardest things for us is when anyone applies to be a speaker, we say, let's take a look at your LinkedIn profile. And we go and do a bit of checking out on LinkedIn. And it's, I'm sure this person's done this, that and the other, but <laughs> you can't see it. <laughs> it's probably also like, you should be, it shouldn't be about yourself, I think, in general. If it is all about yourself, um, maybe you are able to build a company. But at some point, I think people are not really collaborating with you at some point. So, What three takeaways do you want guests at Money 2020 to leave with? I think I mentioned a few already, but I think it's good to realize that things like AI are there already. It's not something of the future. It's something you should have invested in already. And I think that's one thing. And the other thing is that make sure that you really understand as a company what the impact is going to be of ai it, i think it's it's going to be huge in the end it's it's it feels like granular changes over time but it goes actually really quickly and if you don't start to invest in it if you don't understand actually the impact it's going to be difficult again similar to the internet similar to mobile phones like 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, if you don't understand the magnitude of what you're doing, you're going to miss out on a few things and you, other organizations are going to be the front runner in your industry. And you mentioned case studies earlier. If you had to kind of direct people to three case studies to go and take a look at right now and how AI is being used, where would you send them? It would be mostly uh, Dutch organizations then. Um, so one of the companies we work with, which I really like, is Bank. It's the Neil Bank in the Netherlands. And they use AI in quite a lot of different places. And one of that is, of course, transaction monitoring. They, um, yeah, well, they won the lawsuit in the end against the Dutch National Bank. But I think that's super interesting also to understand how they use that technology and how they did it in a transparent and explainable way. So that would be one. Yeah, I'm thinking one one other one which I really like is a company called Independa, also based in the Netherlands and, and Belgium. Um, and they use a lot of models in the end to give the best advice to people, to really offer the best insurance products to people. And they do this for quite some years. And there you see also that it requires quite a lot of feedback loop and learning to really improve your system in the end. Good. Let's go. I'm going to go check those out. Well, and you mentioned as soon as we started talking that regulation in AI was the topic to come and talk to. Why is it so important right now? Well, the EU is really focusing on the AI Act. They're probably going to approve it um, end of this year, they're saying October. Um, there's a lot of debate, of course, what should be the definition of AI, for example. It can be quite broad, can be quite narrow. But it's going to have a big impact, just like GDPR had a few years ago. It's going to have a big impact. And it's interesting to see how also uh, different countries are going to deal with it, which regulators in the end actually going to make sure that you comply to something. That's still a, a big debate, but it's definitely going to have a large impact, I think, on a lot of industries, including uh, fintech and banking and insurance companies. So, yeah, that's for me the reason to, to really focus on that as well, make sure that we can still use AI, not try to avoid it all the time, but in such a way that's compliant and safe and transparent to people. Great to know. And finally, with the show theme of now and next in mind, what are the big trends in machine learning and AI that we'll be talking about for years to come off the back of this year? Yeah, so I think at the moment it's really generative AI in general. We, what I shared before, we found ways to train our models in such a way that it actually really outperforms the way we did it in the past. 
I think, um, and that might come back to a question you're going to ask later about the investment. I think also the way we see compute, the way we actually use things like CPU and GPU at the moment is going to change over the part, over the upcoming 20 years or so. We are at least doing a lot of research on quantum computing, and that's really going to change a lot of things. If we have, if we have more compute power, that's really also going to change the way we build AI models. So that's going to be a big thing for the longer term, I think. And already you see that really having the traceability of where information is coming from is getting hard and it's getting more and more difficult with images being generated, text being generated. It's really hard to trace back where information is coming from and if it's actually true, partly true, more an opinion. And that's also, that's something we probably have to accept, I guess. But that's a different way of dealing with each other, dealing with information. Uh, That's a big thing as well, I think. It's like Twitter's fake news almost, you know, those disclaimers at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, but this is, I mean, this is this is Twitter. That's fine, I guess. But this is going to happen for high impact things as well. For some risky applications, it's also going to happen that we actually don't really know where the information is coming from, if it's really true or not. But that's going to be the, the paradigm we're going to live in in like 10 years or so. Could it be like the Twilight Zone a little bit then? It is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that exciting or is that scary at the same time i think we get used to it really quickly uh, it's not scary it's scary if you now suddenly would go travel in time and find yourself in 2040 or so that's going to be scary but we all adapt to it i think so no time machines just right now then we'll just get there gradually perfect so just as you mentioned we're going to revisit that initial question that i asked my my magic money bag is going to come out again and I'm going to give you two halves. So, okay, which company or tech or industry are you going to put that first half on, which is going to give you massive returns in one year? I would really say Hugging Face, the guys I mentioned before. I'm, I'm really impressed with what they achieved over the past years. So nice. That would be the first half, I think. And then the second half, which is probably the follow-up question. Yeah, that big bag that's going to just sit there for 10 years. It's going to invest, get a bit deeper. And then what's going to be the outcome? There are really brave entrepreneurs and really brave researchers, which are, well, basically invest all their money and time in quantum computing. We're all not sure if it's ever going to be there, but already building, for example, the underlying or the, the software, which is... We need to rebuild everything if you're going to use this. We have to rebuild operating systems, for example. And there are people already investing in it. There are people already trying to build software on something which isn't there yet. And that's something I find really cool. And that's something I really believe in. We should also invest our money and time in. So the second half of that big pile of money would go into that direction, I think. So no more trading AI bots, but all onto quantum computing. I think trading bots, uh, I mean, did that as a hobby project myself. I don't believe that's going to be life-changing in the end. And these things are actually going to change the way we, we do things, we live, I think. Excellent. Oh, it's really exciting. Martin, thank you so much for your time with us today. It's been really interesting to hear all about you. Looking forward to seeing you on stage at Money 2020 Europe. Well, thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for listening. We also want to thank Martin Stolk for sharing their thoughts with us. We appreciate your time. And if you want to be part of the Money Pot, please send us suggestions at podcast at money2020.com. Don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and see you again soon. Money 2020.